Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This meeting is being recorded. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The eagle-eyed of you out there will notice that it is not Dave uh, hosting this week. It is just Alan and Matt. Um, Alan, how are you getting on? No, good, good. Sort of finally recovered from the heartbreak of France. And, you know, obviously sad to not have Dave here, but there's some essential work that needs to be done. And he's uh, in Ankara um, getting it sorted. Yeah, so a couple of procedures. He's having his hair plugs put in in Turkey and then on the way back he's stopping in at his old his old pals in Switzerland to get his turkey neck neck a wee bit of a touch-up is that right yeah no I think uh, both part of the same company so it's a bit of a two-for-one job so getting uh, getting the full aesthetics done to make himself look beautiful fair play gets around that guy um just uh, as a reminder for all the, the listeners, the people who haven't uh, tuned in yet, um, you can follow us in a variety of ways uh, on Instagram. That is thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Uh, Twitter, thistle rugby pod is the handle. Um, you can send us an email with thistle rugby at gmail.com um, and check us out on Substack. Um, sort of ramblings there, uh, thistle rugby podcast, it should come up. Um, so this week, obviously, we've got Italy to look forward to. Um, the big sort of must-win game, um, all roads lead to Rome. Um, so we'll sort of be discussing that. Uh, Gregor Townsend named his team today. But there's a bit of news um, that we can sort of focus on firstly. A bit of signing news from from both the, the pro clubs, I suppose. Um, firstly, it was announced uh, yesterday that Magnus Bradbury is going to be joining Bristol at the end of the season. Um, we'd been sort of told, um, we'd heard on the rumour mill that 
he was going to be heading south. Um, but Bristol seems to be a bit of a surprise name. Um, Alan, what do you what do you make of that move? Well, there's sort of the two rumours regarding two separate Edinburgh back row players. So obviously it was Bradbury to Saracens was what we wish were leaked. And then the other one that came that came out was potentially Bill Matter to Bristol. So <laughs> what seems to have happened is either, you know, the matter both rumors were complete bullshit and actually or or potentially the rumors have been sort of crossed over, but obviously Bradbury's now moved to Bristol. And I don't know, I guess I know Bradbury's had a nice run of form sort of earlier in earlier this season, but I think given the strength and depth at Edinburgh and some of the form, especially in the game last week, from people like Moncaster and Boyle, it doesn't really feel like Bradbury leaving is, is too big, big an issue for them. Yeah, and it seems that even this season, although he's been playing very well, he hasn't actually played that often because Blair has rotated the team so much. Um, and that, as you said, the likes of Moncaster, Boyle, even Kunavula have come in and done a, a very good job. So I suppose it's a shame that he's maybe had a couple of seasons where he's not played so well. And this is the first season in a while that he's back to his form and then he's leaving all of a sudden. Um, but obviously it's a pretty chock-a-block set of back rows they've got there. So I, I kind of get it. And I, look, ultimately, I think with these guys, they've got short careers. If they've got a chance to to go to the Premiership, earn a bit more cash, expand their horizons, then, you know, fair play to them. No, definitely. And I guess, you know, I know Bristol haven't been particularly firing this year, but ultimately they were, they should have been in the fight, the Premiership final last year. And they have the money that they are going to be competing in that sort of top four in the Premiership over the next three or four years. So I think in terms of his development, you know, it's not like he's going to a Worcester and he's going to be yeah. sort of fighting at the bottom. You would think that over the next three years, he is going to be operating in a team that's going to be at the top of the league and is going to be fighting for honours both domestically and in Europe. I think it's quite good for our substack because in the Scots abroad section, it's often a bit of a struggle to have a Scottish player in the Bristol team. So quite good news as well. Um, the the other sign news is Rory Dart being signed to an SRU special undisclosed long-term contract. Um I mean, obviously, that's that's just incredible news for a guy who's had an amazing start to his pro rugby career. Yeah, and I guess so. He he only shifted across basically about twelve months ago, where so it was him and Ali Miller together shifted across to to Glasgow, and you know I think there was sort of a few glimmerings of of what a, what he could bring at sort of the back end of last season, and I mean. It's yeah, it's been a pretty incredible rise through through sort of Glasgow and now and now to Scotland, where I think um, if if Jamie Ritchie had been fit, I think it would have been quite a tough, potentially a tough decision for Tooney, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think we t- we talked about it last week. Um, there were there were a few people sort of reacting to the news on Twitter this week, saying what a failure that the Darge saga had been on the behalf of Edinburgh what do you make of that do you think there was a a sort of failure to recognize his talent 
I don't know. I, I think ultimately it is incredibly difficult when you just have that strength of back row player at Edinburgh. And, and ultimately, you know, Rui Darge did have a few moments in the Edinburgh team. And if I'm honest, I, I didn't, I didn't call, call it that he would have such a dramatic rise over, uh, over the last sort of six months. I actually, for a period of time, maybe sort of 12, 18 months ago, thought that Connor Boyle might be the one of those two who made the sort of step up. So I think ultimately it's more a product of just the competition that was at Edinburgh versus what's at Glasgow. And ultimately it's great that to have hopefully Watson and Darge both starting. It was never going to be, it was never going to work with both of them playing it, playing at Edinburgh, just given how high quality both of them are. So I actually think, Ultimately, it was very little Edinburgh could have could have done, and actually, I think for both clubs and Scotland as a whole, it's definitely the best outcome. Yeah, I think it's to my mind, it's more of a function of the fact there's only two pro teams because I think you'd be hard pushed to say any of the guys playing for Edinburgh in his stead were were miles behind him. Like you know, we kind of forget about even Luke Crosby, who's always been one of Edinburgh's better players. Um, Kunavula has done a good job. And then I, I, I agree with you. It seems as if Connor Boyle was the one that had, you know, arguably more potential for a while than, than Darge. So, I, yeah, I think it's a failure of having two clubs rather than Cockrell missing out on a, on a talent. Yeah, and I, I sort of thinking back to 12 months ago, I don't particularly remember like, a lot of Edinburgh fans being explicitly upset about Darge moving across the M8, right? You know, there has been, a yeah. Few, yeah, there has been a few moments where players have potentially sort of shifted from one to the other, and actually, fans have been quite sour about it. But actually, with Dodge, I, I felt most Edinburgh fans sort of felt like, yes, given the resources Edinburgh have, it actually makes a lot of sense, right? There's still something about Dodge when they released that video of him signing the new contract. He's there's there's sort of there's nothing behind the eyes. There's, you know, he's he's seen some stuff. Slash, he's just he's like a cold-blooded killer. That guy. So a different life might be like Michael Fassbender and Shame, maybe. <laughs> oh, uh, that that's quite a kind of implication to make. I think. Yeah, can we cut that out? Actually. <laughs> well, Let's no, mate. Well, we can't because this is the one and done. Oh shit! Oh yeah, it is. Um, All right. Anyway, let's let's move on from um, Michael Fassbender and Shame. Go and look up that film if you want. Um. But but moving on from the news, um, I think that's everything. Let's let's get into the the meat and drink, as as Dave would call it, which is obviously Scotland against Italy this weekend in Rome. Um, Scotland on the back of uh, two disappointing losses um, and made a few changes in what is you know ultimately a a must win game. Um, let's just give you the 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 starting fifteen. Um, in the front row, a bit of change. We've got George Turner coming in for Stuart McAnally, but Pierre Schumann and Xander Fagerson return their places. Um, all the same in, in the second row, uh, Sam Skinner and, and Grant Gilchrist. Um, Rory Darge retains his place, uh, but Hamish Watson comes in for Haining, and Matt Fagerson uh, recovers from injuries, taking the place of, of Magnus Bradbury. Uh, in the backs, there's a couple of changes. Uh, Price and Russell 
uh, as is um, but Sam Johnson back in at 12. Um, Chris Harris remains at 13. Darcy Graham and Hogg in the back three. And Kyle Steyn comes in for the suspended Duhan van der Merwe. Um, Alan, what was your sort of first take of that squad when you when you sort of first saw it released on Twitter? Strong. I think in that pack, I would say that I think generally feel like Turner's probably played slightly above Rambo in the sort of opening three games of the the Six Nations. I think actually that's that's potentially Scotland's strongest front row. Nice to see sort of Watson and Darjan together. I think whilst obviously it's a bit of a deficiency in the, in the lineout, I think ultimately it just brings you so much from a from a ruck standpoint. Obviously Matt Ferguson's coming in, who, given his sort of form, was potentially Scotland's best forward in the, across the first two matches. And then obviously said gutting to see Duhan come out, but ultimately I think Kyle Stain, especially against a team like Italy. I think is a pretty, pretty strong replacement. So no, I, I actually felt when the team came out, I probably felt slightly more confident than I had been over the last sort of 10 days. And we were sort of talking about it before we started recording, but it, th- there were a few people saying that Townsend should roll the dice slightly and maybe start Hastings or a Kinghorn ahead of, of Russell. But it feels as if this is a, team to win the game there's there's not really much room for experimentation it's about the the here and now uh, the here and now sorry yeah 100 percent. i mean we think back to sort of the six nations in in 2021 and i think as we were sort of coming into this match we we had um obviously beaten beaten england away and had um We'd had um, this obvious slight loss to lost to Wales, and I think we came into this match with a lot of confidence, probably in maybe feeling sort of the strongest in terms of our ability to put Italy away than I can remember over the course of sort of our sort of fandom of Scottish rugby, and and ultimately went a little bit yolo, you know. I mean, I think looking back, the fact that we had sort of Hog at ten, we sort of shipped. Hugh Jones into the team out as a centre, which you know hadn't been in for a while. Sean Maitland was moved to fullback. You had Scott Steele at nine. Dave Cherry, you know, starting in the starting in the front row. It it was a team that felt like you know we 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 know that even with these rotations and maybe second choice players, we have enough to put away an Italian team, and you sort of compare it to where we're at now and it really feels like the team that we put out is our strongest team given who's available and we really need a win the momentum has completely gone in the wrong direction and if we are going to have a chance of putting putting away ireland in dublin we need to have a good win against italy and start kind of getting back back on that road yeah 100 um you you mentioned the the, the fact that Duhan's missing. Um, what what did you make of his ban? Um, if people haven't seen the the incident, they can go in, go on our Twitter and, and find it. But it it maybe seems like a bit of a harsh punishment. I I think when you compare it 
to some other um, actions. So, for example, I can't remember. Someone was referencing the the Bristol winger who essentially put like a shoulder yeah. into someone's head <laughs> upright in the tackle, and they got four weeks reduced to three. And then you compare it to the fact that Duhan for that action gets three weeks. It just feels like anyone who watches rugby can can see that those actions are not the same same level. And the fact that they're both getting three weeks just feels like a bit unjust. I, I think when I look at sort of Duhan's actions, I, I can see how you get to a red card. But I think actually, I think it's almost more sort of hitting with the wrist. And I actually think when you look at it in real time, I'm not sure it's actually with much force as well. Appreciate he's a big guy, and I imagine at any force, Duhan hitting you with his wrist is, is quite horrible. But I actually, I, I don't think it would be classified as being sort of like with force. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it kind of got me thinking that if this is the way the game is going, which look, if you if they want to um, stop concussions and they're worried about um, you, that sort of things, then hand off to the face is the next thing that will probably be banned, surely. That, that to me doesn't really make much sense that you can effectively sort of put uh, the heel of your palm into someone's face and you don't get punished for it. Yeah, agreed. Imagine like a full, fully outreached Doohan Pam with like all the power that comes with that is almost probably worse than what Doohan did to Kyle Stane. <laughs> Um, yeah. at the weekend and I, no I agree I think the two um, going a little bit off track but the two that I've always thought they might sort of um, do is removal of the handoff and then stopping players jumping in the air yeah I think jumping in the air is an inter- interesting one because I, I'm I'm for keeping it but there's, there's so many incidents that arise from that I think fundament- are... fundamentally once you're in the air you're not in control and it's if you're wanting to, and, and ultimately there's not been like a huge, terrible injury off the back of it. So it's probably not um, not sort of um, motivated anyone to sort of do anything, but it feels like, you know, if you've got two of you challenging in the air, both incredibly high and you both hit each other fairly, there's mm-hmm. like, there is just ultimately a chance that you can land <laughs> in quite terrible ways, right? For, at, for no fault on anyone. Um, but sorry, I sort of slightly um, slightly deviate. But no, I, 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 if it was me, I thought it would be either a yellow card or maybe like a one a one week ban. So I was a bit surprised with the three yeah. week. Yeah, um, but I suppose that's where we are at the moment. I mean, you you touched on it, but what do you think Stain will bring in Duhan's place? Yeah, well, we talked about it a little bit, sort of pre Six Nations, and I think. I was almost in the camp where I thought Kyle Stane should start ahead of Darcy Graham. And I think, obviously, retrospectively, given that Darcy Graham's potentially been Scotland's standout performer over the last um, three matches, that that's a bit ridiculous. But I do think that whilst Kyle Stane doesn't bring you some of the just, you know, ultimate ability to beat the man that Duhan has, just given his strength and speed, Kyle Stane is just an incredibly solid operator, maybe slightly stronger in defence and probably stronger under the high ball and on the kick chase. 
So yeah. I think you do miss, you do lose quite a bit with in attack without Duhan. But I actually do think also at the same time, Kyle Stain can bring a few other qualities that Duhan doesn't have. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that Stain doesn't have that freakish ability of Duhan, where you know when he gets the ball, he's going to break tackles. Um, but then I think he probably makes up for that in terms of work rate and general rugby brain. Um, and and look, it's only Italy, right? Which is famous last words. But I even think, you know, we were talking about him potentially playing in the England game because I think he would actually, I think he, he would suit test rugby quite well. So, um, like, he's in, my, he's in my fantasy team. He's there. So I'm hoping he, he's, he racks up some points, gets some tries. I'm, I'm putting my faith in him. Before Duhan got banned, if I had said to you post the France match that you had to drop one of Duhan or Darcy Graham, who, who would it be? Yeah, it's a very good question, actually. Um, thing is, Duhan has been so far. I still think, as as we talked about the other week, he doesn't get given the ball enough. But he is this incredible get out weapon, um, who when he gets going, is probably more effective than than Darcy Graham. But Darcy Graham's been top of his game so far that I I probably drop Duhan. I think. No, I agree. And then I think the follow-up question is, if you had to drop one of Duhan, Darcy or Hogg, who would it be? <laughs> um, I mean, they play different positions, right? No, I get it. I, get it. I was just thinking around sort of the back three, and I'm a little bit sort of good yeah. to the idea that I, I, I think actually of those back three, Hogg's potentially been the poorest over the first three matches. Um, I think it would be between him and Duhan. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that that Stain is is going to do a good enough job. Um, and I, yeah, I I like him a lot. I think he's a good option to have. And I think it's his first Six Nations start. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how it goes. But I'm I'm pretty confident in what he brings. Um, probably going to be just because it's probably going to play the full eighty as well, given the fact that. It's Velicott, Hastings, and Tupelotu on the bench. I imagine, if yeah. unless there's injuries, that they're not going to sort of change that back three. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what other sort of permutations there might be, but actually, that that bench sort of decides it for you. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The, the other change in the back line is Sam Johnson coming in at 12. Um, I mean, I suppose he played in that game, the, the, the one victory we've had so far against England, and I think did pretty well, but he's been consigned to playing for Glasgow in the, in the weeks afterwards. Um, what do you make of that change? And do you think he was maybe harshly dumped by Townsend? Was that one of our mutual friends asked whether Sam Johnson was, was the glue that held the back line together, given the fact that he was in the, the England win and, and hadn't been a part of obviously the loss to, to Wales and France. And I think my view was that was a bit of correlation doesn't, it does not imply causation. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure whether Sam Johnson being in that Wales match or that France match would have made a, a massive difference. Um, I think ultimately the the only the only reason that I would say that you would choose Johnson over Tuapaloto at the moment is potentially because him and Russell have played so much together and also probably won a lot of matches together and and whether they just feel like actually given that especially that sort of 10 12 13 just even against even in the Wales and France match just doesn't seem to be quite clicking that yeah. actually against an Italy team, let's have that combination of Russell, Johnson, and Harris, which over the last probably three or four years has been the combo that has seen us win those big matches, or at least sort of, especially sort of Russell and Johnson have won a lot of big matches together and seem to be seem to be sort of quite cons- consistent. Let's bring him back. Let's bring them back in, and um, and hopefully take down sort of an easy an easy win against uh, against the Italians. Because I don't think there's anything in Sam Johnson's URC form that means that he should have usurped Tua Pelotu over the last sort of couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he's um, he's an incredibly solid option. I don't think he's going to, you know, make massive mistakes. But it does seem as if, um, you know, we go back to Redpath being the the great white hope, but it does seem that the other options that Townsend has tried 12 to try and play that second playmaker option, I think back to Matt Scott against South Africa, who hasn't had a look in since. Um, They've not quite worked. So I wonder if it's a return to stability. Um, But then I kind of think that, you know, that's the kind of, that Johnson Harris is the midfield that fans have complained about in terms of not getting the, attack going so I think they've got quite a lot to prove actually um, in, in terms of you know the the sort of the expansive style that we're getting the best out of that back line I suppose yeah 100% it's, it's interesting I, I completely forgotten that Matt Scott had started that South Africa game and actually I think sort of looking back at some of the, the selections now over the last sort of um, four weeks and now retrospectively makes that selection feel a little bit stranger. Hmm. The fact that they clearly saw Matt Scott was having a lot of good form with Leicester, then sort of threw him into playing the world champions in what was a pretty tough match. And then he seems to have been a little bit sort of thrown back out to sea. 
Yeah, it, I, it feels as if that midfield conundrum is not quite sorted, but I'm pretty confident that Russell Johnson Harris is, you know, enough to to deal with the the Italian threat um, and make things happen. Um, the the other changes uh, are on the bench. Um, I think most interesting ones are Velikot and um, Hastings coming in. Uh, you know, quite a big switch up from from White and and Kinghorn. What have you What have you made of those selections? Sort of one way, I feel a little bit bad for Ben White because I actually think that he's performed relatively well when he's come on um, for Ali Price. At the same time, I think Ben Velikot's form has been so strong for Edinburgh, not just in, la- in the last game against sort of Connick, but just more generally across the season that I think he absolutely does deserve to be to be on the bench. So, you know, super, super keen to see how he does. And then I sort of, with Adam Hastings, I'm never quite clear how well he's playing for Gloucester. I, if I'm honest, I, I just don't have the time or the inclination to sit down and watch a full Gloucester match. <laughs> but it's, it, it does seem like he is playing re- relatively well in a team that is ultimately fighting for sort of top four premiership rugby. And I know Tooney made some remarks about how he's sort of been playing quite well over the last few weeks and sort of earned his sort of call back into the squad. So I think I'm quite, I'm glad to see Adam Hastings sort of back in that team. Cause I actually, you know, think back to sort of two years ago when, you know, Russell was, um, was, was kicked out, you know, and I actually think Hastings had a, had a relatively strong six nations across those sort of three matches, especially that sort of home match against France. So no, I think, um, Glad to see him in, and I think uh, hopefully it'd be good to see him get at least sort of 20, 25 minutes off the bench against Italy. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, the the Hastings signing, considering when he joined Gloucester, you know, at the back of last season, they were towards the bottom of the league, and they are now pushing for the playoffs. Um, and not to say that he's the, the big difference, but they didn't really make that many big signings. So I think it's a mix of like very good coaching and he has actually come in and offered a level of stability. But then I think the way that Gloucester play is quite conservative, quite forward orientated. So it doesn't necessarily suit Hastings style, but fair play to him. He's adapted to that and, and done very well. Um, I mean, what, what, what are you expecting from the match on, Saturday. I mean, on on paper, Scotland should be clear favourites, and this should not be too difficult a game. But we know that that's not always the case. So, are, are you are you expecting any difficulties for this Scotland team? I, if I'm honest, I am. I think we sometimes sort of we, we get a little bit um, blurred by sort of the recent history where Scotland have had much easier time against Italy and actually especially that sort of 2010 to probably sort of 2016-2017 period you know, especially away we we lost away we lost more than, than we won right um, and I think well, a little we, well, we, we haven't lost to them since 2015 yes and that was at Murrayfield. 
then we lost 2010, 2012, and 2014, if I remember correctly. That um, sounds about right. And I think, so that's, you know... I mean, that's, that's seven years of beating them home and away consistently. No, I agree. But then I think if you sort of even look back to um, the 20, 2018 match, was we won by sort of two points. Um, yeah. And there was a few sort of tight, tight matches sort of in, in between then. I think... Um, I think 2014 was that the donkey wear drop goal, which was a great moment, to be fair. But I think if you actually sort of look at sort of the overall context of, you know, we've we've had a very solid run. We, in terms of the position of both teams, the Italian team is young. They are coming off that Ireland game, we're actually, they probably feel quite aggrieved at what happened in terms of the fact that, you know, they ended up going down to 13 men and, and actually, even though they lost by sort of, what, 40 points, there was actually moments where I think they actually played okay, like quite nice rugby. Mm. They, they're at home. You've got a Scotland team that has struggled to find a lot of form over the first three matches. I think if if they're Italy, you know, this is, again, not that it's probably too different to most years, but at home, four games in, Scotland team not firing, them feeling a bit aggrieved at what's happened in the last match. Uh, I just feel like there is a lot there for them to feed off. And if it's a tight match, I feel like given what's happened to the sort of Scotland team, we might start to struggle. We haven't um, lost to them away from home since 2012. So there's a hell of a record to be broken, is what I'm saying. Yeah, lost lost 08, 2010, 2012, and then Dunkey Ware dropped goal 2014, and then we've we lost lost at home and then been cruising since then. It's yeah. you know ultimately, it's I think I still think Scotland will win, but I think the chances of an Italy win are higher than. A lot of Scotland fans are potentially um, giving them credit for. I mean, what's the best outcome for Scotland in this game? Because, you know, say we win by 10, 12 points with close to our strongest team. Have we learned much more about where Scotland are, are heading? I think your best outcome is bonus, bonus point win. Probably they get the fourth try just after halftime. And at around sort of 55 minutes, Finn's off, Hamish Watson's off, Finn, Finn gets man of the match, there's, there's a camera on him, he's smiling, everyone's having a great time. That is that is your like utopia of Saturday afternoon. And you sort of use that sort of form and momentum and sort of general sort of happiness and you sort of take that into the, to the Ireland match next Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, you feel like Finn is, is, is. I feel like I'm putting a lot of. There's a lot of pressure on him. Like, there's going to be a lot of eyes on you, Finn, sort of almost kind of dominating this match. Because yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of talk over the last two weeks on him specifically. I mean, I think it needs a big game, um, but I could almost see it because the opposition isn't that high a standard. Um, that the stuff he's been trying might come off or at least he'll get a better platform like an almost racing-esque platform to 
to try those things. Um, I yeah, I, I've I've made him a captain in my Guinness fancy team, so I'm interesting. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I'm pretty confident he's going to have a bit of a a belter because um, I think he, I think he's due a big performance, and I, I'm glad that I'm actually glad that Townsend has stuck with him because I think you need to back your your big players. Um, the fact he's still one of the vice captains um, alongside Grant Gilchrist, I think is quite interesting as well. Um, I think that that's what he probably needs at the moment to, to go out and, and, and do his best. No, I completely agree. And I think, yeah, I was, I was a bit worried that they might um, take him out for this match and, um, and put either sort of Kinghorn or Hastings Hastings in 10, but I, I actually think it's, it's, it's going to be good for him to just continue to get that sort of run of matches with, with Scotland. I appreciate that he's clearly got like a bit of a heavy workload with um, with sort of playing for, for Racing, but I think um, if he can pull out a big match, I think it, it really does increase Scotland's chances of, of going over to Dublin and, and getting the win. Do you think it's a bit harsh on Kinghorn being completely boosted out the 23 um <laughs> there's obviously rumors around the reasons for why he's not not in the 23 and uh I potentially feel like there's maybe it's not it's not worth us speculating for anyone interested they can check out craig Chalmers's um actually generally quite punchy twitter feed but um if- it's, it's quite an enjoyable twitter feed to to get stuck into actually yeah, no, a hundred percent. Just feel like he's sort of like in his fifties, just chilling, chilling in the borders. Just doesn't give a shit. He's already pissed off the SRU as well, so he can just sort of say things with impunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think if it's not, if it is rugby related, then it's a bit harsh because whilst obviously I don't think he had a fantastic game against um france i think he came into a bit of an impossible situation and and actually to be fair to him to then go um to the the damn health arena on friday night and and really sort of um lead that edinburgh team to an very sort of convincing win against a relatively strong connacht team i actually thought sort of mentally was was quite impressive so if it, I, I feel bad for him if it's if it's purely rugby related. Yeah, we'll see what comes of that. Um, sorry to put you on the spot there, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did it on purpose. Um, so let's let's move on to predictions then. What what have you got on your match point predictor for um, the the various games, starting with Scotland? So I've gone for a 27-22 win. Five, I'm going for a five-point win for Scotland. Five, okay. I, I think it's going to be a little bit um, tighter than both kind of just feel like the general sort of public discourse and, and also the bookies. But I do think that um, Scotland will end up in the end taking the win and actually the the weather looks like it's going to be dry a bit overcast so hopefully should um, get a few tries on both sides bonus point win four tries yeah 
four tries, two conversions, one pen. That's my shout. I'm a bit more confident than you, um, but then I predicted we'd beat Wales by 12 points. So, I mean, what do I know? But I've I've gone Scotland by 16. I I think I think Scotland have got. I, I think they've picked Illinois team. Um, you know that they will not be complacent going into this match at all, um, and I think they need a big result. And I, I know that Italy will be targeting this game massively, but I think Scotland have got far too much quality. I think they'll it'll be I think it'll be tight for 50, 60 minutes, and then I think Scotland will pull away. No, I think a highly likely scenario. I think you say. Well, what do you know? I was looking back to our predictions from last week where I said that I thought Edinburgh might lose and Glasgow might get the bonus point. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Some of our takes <laughs> in the pod are so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, I could, I mean, yeah. It's, I think there's a lot of a lot of ways this match could play out. And um, I, I do think, you know, ultimately Price and Russell, maybe the two of them, going to have a massive massive impact on what on what that looks like and i think if they really sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck especially and price for example is really sort of nailed on the kicking and sort of sets that tempo i think uh yeah we could end up with like a pretty sort of 16 20 to 20 point win like the sound of that um what about the other the other two games yeah i'm um Going for quite a tight France win, so going for France by four. I think they will win, but I think ultimately I, I don't see them blowing Wales off the park in the Millennium Stadium, especially on sort of a Friday night. And I've gone for an England win by three. I think England feel a little bit. I know they sort of had two wins, yeah. but there's just a little bit too much quality there, and and I. I actually think that at Twickenham, England might just have the edge on that Irish team, especially with um, Porter and Kelleher sort of out as well. Yeah, I actually, I had England by three and then I changed it to Ireland by three because I, I still think Ireland have got a bit too much. And I think that Sexton will have the beating of Smith at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Wales, France will be close as well. But I've gone for France by six, but I think Wales will make it a real dogfight. So hopefully we get some free Guinness at the end of it. Very excited. I'm gonna be I'm gonna um, be in I'm gonna be in Ireland next week. So it'll be a great, great sort of cash in a lot of my Guinness. That was for the was that, was that the trip you'd booked where you thought we were gonna go and win the Grand Slam in Dublin? I had orchestrated a situation where me my other half and a child were going to Ireland over the same weekend. And if Scotland were going to win the Grand Slam, I was planning to leave both of them and go to, <laughs> and go to the Grand Slam, either solo or whoever I was with. But you know what? That's that's not happening. So I'm, I'm more likely going to be watching it from a rural pub just outside of Wicklow, about an hour south of Dublin, which should be quite nice. going to assume I'm going to be the, the only yeah. Scotsman in the pub. <laughs> That, that does sound very nice. Uh, to be fair, I'd made a similar sort of commitment. I said to my other half that after the England game, we're going on holiday the weekend of the Ireland match. 
if Scotland are on course to the Grand Slam or even the Championship, the holiday's cancelled. I'm going to Ireland. I'm going to Dublin, even if I don't have a ticket, which was a really stupid thing to say. Often. What a great, what a great time that was, though. There was so much. I know fun. it really was. I know. <laughs> I took quite a lot of kind of perverse joy in in saying this is my commitment to the team. But that that yeah. when we were travelling to Cardiff, just the the amount of people chat, the people chat, talking about bets on Grand Slams. People chatting about if Scotland <laughs> Scotland beat Wales, they're going to boot their flights to Ireland because we've got the measure of France in Murrayfield. I mean, it was just it was such a great time to be alive, oh, but no. uh, as all all the hopes gone. So, what a shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, um, and I think we'll we're likely potentially going to be back Tuesday night with all three of us plus a special guest. So that could be yeah, exactly, very special guest. Um, that's been a wee bit delayed, but I think um, previewing the Ireland game with hopefully a wee bit on the line um, should be good. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for, for listening, guys. Um, hopefully a, a win at the weekend. We BP victory would be nice. People in Rome, enjoy yourselves. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back soon. 